welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 240. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today I am talking slowly because I just had a very cold beverage. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we're going to be discussing uh, Voyager's seventh season episodes, Repression, Critical Care, and Inside Man. Here we go. Repression, Season 7, Episode 4, Production Code 251, Original Air Date, October 25th, 2000, Directed by Winrick Colby, Story by Kenneth Biller, Teleplay by Mark Haskell-Smith, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Derek McGrath as Chell, Keith Sabarchka as Tiro, Jod Magger as Ensign Tabor, Ronald Robinson as Sek, Carol Knurk as Jor, Scott Allen Smith as Doyle, and Mark Raphael Truitt as Yosa. Tom Paris and his new wife, Alana Torres, enter the Palace Theater in Chicago, a hologram program typical of the time to see a three-day film, Revenge of the Creature. As the film starts, Tom deletes the holographic audience, revealing Tabor, a former Maquis crewman, comatose in the front row. The doctor finds cranial microfractures and subdermal contusions along his right shoulder. Captain Janeway puts Tuvok in charge of the investigation into the attack. Lights strobing at certain frequencies have been known to induce seizures. We should analyze the optical properties of this movie. When was the last time you spoke with Mr. Tabor? About 10, 15 minutes before Bellana and I got here. He called to say the program was up and running. Funny. Lieutenant? When we were in the Marquis together, we used to joke that Tabor must have had his own personal force field. Went through a dozen firefights without even getting his clothes dirty. He's still alive. Perhaps his force field is holding. What uh, What good fortune that all the McKee kept their uniforms all these years. <laughs> and they, uh, they still fit. And they felt so, compelled to put them on during yeah. this part. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was lucky. I know immediately what... I mean, this episode is fine. It's fine. Um, it's got a couple of nice moments. But I know one thing that really held it back for me. It just it felt like an episode they could have done in. It could have been episode four or something. I don't know, like it could have been a first season episode, somehow. And I mean, we're in the seventh and final season. I want shows that require all the character advancements that we've that we've seen. I don't know, um, Steve. What are your first thoughts here? Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's bad, and I think I think what it has going for it is that it's um the atmosphere kind of you know. I mean, it's a little. I mean, we we certainly have investigation type you know focused episodes of Star Trek, you know, but this one this one especially feels kind of like kind of noirish or something, you know. I think it's because it's it's dark. There's something mysterious going on. You can't quite pin it down. The the investigator because of well in this case because of his involvement even if it's on a subconscious level only he only at that level does he know it he, he's kind of a dark character too in a weird way but i think i think the, i like the atmosphere of it and so on but i agree that it's um in the grand scheme it's kind of it's disappointing that it's it's generic in the sense that it's um harkens back to something that um i mean you know i mean it it did is is unnerving a bit that you you know that this kind of thing could like essentially like screw up everything this far into it after all these relationships that have been built that's kind of unnerving and scary um and and that kind of works i think but 
I agree with you that um, you do kind of want something with a little more um, uh, depth and um, investment in the series during the seventh season and so on. So, yeah. And I'm not sure by the time this episode is over that anything has changed or different or advanced or right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Adam, your, your first thoughts here. Um, yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you guys said. It's an, it's an okay episode. I think for me, what kind of holds it back is it. So the audience, the audience is ahead of the crew in this. We know something's amiss because, you know, you get that tease um, with Tiro, is that his name? The Bajoran terrorist or whatever, mind controller? Tiro, yeah. Tiro. So we spend half the episode, half the episode's really kind of long and drawn out, you know, Tuvok trying to figure out what's going on. And it, to me, I kind of got bored and bored because, like, I'm, I already know what's going on. The crew doesn't. So I, I feel like they should have spent far less time getting to that point because we get well, I think we get well past the halfway point before, um, you know, um, this Bajoran's plan, you know, comes to fruition and, you know, he's able to take over the ship. Um, I think I would have preferred, you know, I think this episode would have been a lot better if they would have gotten to that quicker and they would have done a little bit more on this Bajoran. You know, we only get a little bit about him um, from um, Chakotay um, and Astrometrics when, the, you know, they see the, the hidden coded message. So, I mean, I think there was a lot from this episode and this idea that they left on the table um, that they could have made it far more interesting. Like I said, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of noir and, you know, an investigation, that kind of thing. But I mean, like I said, there's really no mystery because the audience is ahead of the crew in this. We already know um, that something's going on and it just, it kind of, it just kind of ruined it for me and that way. But I mean, it's a, it's a fine, it's an okay episode. I, I mean, it's not that, it's not terrible. It'd probably be a, it'd probably be a really good episode in the first or second season. You know what it reminded me of? So Tuvok is like investigating and he's investigating himself and we're in the seventh season near the end of the show. And he has a scene where he basically has to say to Janeway, you know, I found the, I found the guilty party. It's, uh, it's me. I just rewatched the U S office. Do you remember the late near the season eight or nine episode where, where Jim's like, my plan is by the end of the day that Dwight is going to select himself to be his own assistant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of the whole time I was watching this. Episode. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it says something about, about the, I don't know, generic feel of the episode that it took me the longest time to kind of remember it even. Longer than any episode of this whole series, I feel like I was like, wait, I don't, I feel like I've never even seen this episode. I kept thinking that it was probably a good 15 minutes in before I'm like, oh, okay, okay, yes, it's Tuvok, and I remember, okay, I got it. You know, I bet this was a cheap one. I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't look it up or anything, but I'm pretty sure that uh, that theater they're in is just, just one there that's on the lot at Paramount, right? Right. It didn't look like a big old grand Chicago theater. No, and it's not even the bigger bigger one on the lot at Paramount because I've I've been in the bigger one. I haven't I haven't been in their smaller screening rooms. But but yeah, you know I'll say one I like. I'm, I'm trying to find something I liked about it. Again, I didn't dislike it. It was fine. It was fine. I like that scene when uh, Tuvok brings Harry in. We don't talk uh, much about Garrett. But you know I, he's good, and and he doesn't have. 
a lot to do a lot of the time, and maybe that's why we don't seem to talk about it much. But when he's telling Tuva, like, it's me, Harry, you know, it was just one of those little, oh, I kind of like this scene. I kind of like his, because he doesn't get too ticked off, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's an element of it that he's, that he's not taking it too personally, but just enough. And it's played, he, he barely even moves physically in the scene the way it's kind of blocked. Tuvok kind of moves in and out, but I don't know. That's just one little thing that I kind of liked. But yeah, when like when all of a sudden, oh, they're all in their McKee uniforms now. It's like, I just try to practically imagine. So all, they all kept, I mean, really? And they just... That doesn't make any sense, yeah. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. I wish they would have cut that out and like made it more... Um... Where Tuvok was, the, the, I don't know that we weren't so ahead of it, like Adam alluded to, you yeah. Know, because that made that made the crew look dumb, you know, that kind of thing. It also and it makes the episode feel slow. Yes, yes, and also I think that if they would have made it more at, I mean, I think this is one of those that could have worked kind of in like halfway through, it kind of shifts in terms of the feel where it part of it like they just just go make it an investigative thing, but don't don't draw it out so long, and then at some point make it a action romp like you want to do it in the latter part but it, as it is it's just it's so predictable and formulaic that it just kind of there there it is like you said it's just it's fine but that's about it i mean even the scene at the end you know towards the end of the episode when you know chakotay was testing to tuvok and you know he fired the blank phaser at, at janeway that's a that's a powerful scene but at the end of it you know you know he's not going to kill janeway you know this is so i mean it's almost like a wasted bluff you know, you know she's not going to get killed. I mean, I think I would have preferred, like, you know, somehow he might have stunned her or something. That might have been a little bit more impact. But what do you get? You get this little spark, like the like the phaser burns out. So I I was like I was like oh you know because when I'm I like Brian I didn't quite remember the whole episode and I'm sort of watching the scene like oh this is kind of powerful you know um Kate McGrew she's really playing out a ball she looks she looks worried she looks scared so I thought all the actors did a good job in that scene but it was such a dud of an ending. Because you already yeah. know what's going to happen. Why don't you? Why don't you at least surprise the audience there? Which, and there was no, you know. there was no turn. Like it was just all of a sudden, Tuvok had apparently gotten over the problem. Right. Why then? And what difference was there? You know what I mean? Like there was no scene where he beats it. It's just all of a sudden. Yeah, I beat it. Here's the end of the show. I, I, I don't know. I didn't get that. Uh, is this episode about anything? This might be a stretch, but like I said, Steve's a little better at this. I mean, I guess it's being aware of your subconscious. I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, you know, there's the, the mind games in this, you know, you got Tuvok, you know, investigating himself and he's got these premonitions and these intuitions that, that something isn't right. Um, so you could say that's like his subconscious, you know, acting out, trying to warn him, um, and obviously he's a Vulcan, but I mean, these are kind of, these are more humanistic terms is like, you know, where trust your instincts, trust your intuition, um, to a point. Um, I, I think that's kind of what they're trying to say. Um, but I, I think that's kind of a stretch. Um, other than that, I don't really have much else, Steve. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they would have, I think they would have benefited from trying to focus on something like that, focusing on that notion of, uh, trusting your gut and your instinct and that kind of thing, even though in this in this case we have this unusual situation where his instinct is basically only because he subconsciously know, subconsciously knows that he's the culprit. But nonetheless, they could have done that because they kind of bookend it with it, but they just don't deal with it enough in the middle, you know. And and so in that sense, it makes it kind of generic. But if they would have 
kept, you know, if they would have alluded to that further throughout, I think you would have had something, but otherwise I don't think it really has a whole lot going on. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty standard and generic otherwise. So, yeah. All right, let's do six degrees for repression. Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. Keith Zarabachka plays Tiro, the guy <laughs> that enjoys controlling minds. He will later play Damrus in the Enterprise episode Rogue Planet. Which member of the Trek Companion podcast thinks this might be the worst episode in all Trek? Is it Brian? You are correct. Adam, Derek McGrath <laughs> plays the blue alien shell. This is the second time we've seen him play the character. Name his species. Oh, crap. He's um, crap. Yeah. <laughs> He's crap. <laughs> species. Um, fudge your guts. Um, I really have no idea. The blue, the blue guy. The blue race. I don't know. Steve. Uh, Bolian? Yes, sir. Uh, Steve has two. Moving on. Critical Care, Season 7, Episode 5, Production Code 250, Original Air Date, November 1st, 2000, Directed by Terry Wendell, Story by Robert Doherty and Kenneth Biller, Teleplay by James Kahn, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include John Cassier as Gar, Dublin James as Tebis, Larry Drake as Administrator Chellick, Gregory Itzen as Dr. Dysek, Paul Scherer as Boge, John Franklin as Kip, John Durbin as Alien Miner, and William Daniels as Hospital Ship Allocation Alpha. Doctor's mobile emitter is stolen from Voyager by an alien trader named Gar, and sold to an overcrowded hospital run by a hard-nosed administrator, Shellick. When the doctor is activated and told to get to work on patients of an overcrowded and under-equipped level red, he protests his kidnapping, but must comply due to, his, due to his Hippocratic Oath. The doctor quickly learns that this hospital is run, by, is run in a strict manner by a computer called the Allocator, which regulates dosage of medicine to patients based on a treatment coefficient, TC, value assigned to each patient. The leg injury isn't all I'm picking up. He's got some kind of systemic disease. It's a chromoviral infection. We have 12 cases down here. He's in the final stage. Is there an established treatment? Cytoglobin injections. These scans don't show any cytoglobin in his bloodstream. He hasn't been given any. Why not? He doesn't have a high enough TC. Uh, critical care. So I like this episode, but I think we can all agree it just... He goes too far. I, I just don't think that... Uh, that... You know, Neelix should be allowed to food poison somebody like that. <laughs> I really, it's just too far, too far. No, I, uh, I like these kind of episodes. I'm just going to say it. Uh, we try to be fairly apolitical on our podcast, but you know, it, it comes through in every every now and then. But obviously, you know, in the world world of film and television. The people that make these things, both in front of and behind the camera, tend to be politically liberal. But a lot of the times, people, I don't know, they read into it what they how what they think, and that's natural, and I understand that. So 
I like it when it's just an unambiguous, and there's no way you can spin this <laughs> to be anything other than uh, very uh, liberal politicking. But um, before we go there, Adam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I like this episode. I thought it was very good. I mean, it, it's um, it it's it's one of these you know it's one of these episodes that yes you know it's got a liberal tilt to it. I mean, we can discuss that later, but it talks about problems that are going on in society as of this day, you know, 20 plus years ago and today, you know, just, you know, the medical industry, how it's, you know, it's favored to, um, it's kind of almost, it's favored to classes. So, so if you have a lot of money, especially in this country, you can get excellent healthcare. This, you know, the United States has like, you know, like many people have said, has the best healthcare in the world, but if you can, if you can't afford it, you don't have access to it. And so that's, that's what this, this episode's coming down to. And like I said, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself to what it's about, but um, obviously it's a doctor episode. We all love the doctor. He's great in this. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's kidnapped and he's, and he's put into um, the situation that's almost kind of perfect for him. You know, you'd think he'd get kidnapped and be sold off to somewhere else, but he's kidnapped and he's sold off to a um, hospital that's, um, very much in need. You know, we see him start off and, you know, kind of the, um, the lower class level, they call it the red level. And these are the people that, um, are deemed, um, not worthy in the society because the society has gone through some sort of calamity and, um, they need to allocate resources, which is explained, um, um, somewhere early on in the episode. So, um, with the doc, with the doctor's skills, he's automatically put into the higher class part of the, um, spaceship or hospital, whatever this <laughs> weird, um, vessel is and you know he's required to um you know work on people that are deemed um valued to society so i mean it's it's got those classic trek themes you know like um you know questioning things that are going on into the, today's society um through this episode and obviously the doctor's great i mean you know we get to see him you know, we were talking about um, the last episode, we were talking about how that might have fit better in, you know, season one or two. But um, I was kind of starting to think, you know, how the progression of the doctor, um, you know, you wouldn't have seen him do this in the first two or three seasons. He would have, he, you know, I don't think they would have been able to do it. But since his character has been so honed and developed, um, you know, Picardo is such a brilliant actor that they're able to put him in this situation. And it's believable. You know, he's a believable full-fledged, you know, characters, not just a hologram, um, you know, you believe that he is dealing with these um, internal moral struggles of these people are dying, how can I help them? Um, and if, do I, if I have to break the rules, I'm going to do it. If I have to put myself in jeopardy, I'm going to do it. So um, I think it, there's there's a lot of classic Trek themes in this episode. Steve? Yeah, so, I mean, I think as far as the kind of the quality of the episode, I mean, it might be a little bit too on the nose what they're trying to say. I mean, obviously, it's got something to say, which is a positive, but I think it's it's very obvious, you know, and they kind of, you know. It, but what, what I would say is that it's, I think what it does have going for it, it's one of these, it, it's one of these, if you, if you take it in the context of the um, exploration of, you know, ethics, principles, you know, the, the different styles of ethics and different, uh, not styles so much, but as in uh, standpoints, you know, this kind of the, essentially you're having the kind of individual rights um, against a utilitarianism type ethics or the good of the many outweigh the good of the few, this kind of thing. It's, it's a really, a, 
it's really great in terms of a demonstrative episode of that kind of battle, you know, because ultimately you alluded to earlier on, you know, this, the, the joke about him going too far, you know, and all this kind of thing. But um, essentially, if if the doctor's ethical programming was was in was for the kind of that utilitarianism good of the many kind of thing he didn't go too far it was it was a perfectly reasonable course to take to get um as many treated as possible um in the context of this situation and so um in that sense it, it, it's 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 really an interesting episode from that standpoint to kind of explore you know that that those different ethical standpoints um as far as kind of the quality of the episode um I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's interesting and the, and you know, the doctor's great, Picardo's great and so on. I do, I do think it's a little obvious if anything, you know, the on the nose kind of thing. Um, okay. but I, but I do enjoy it overall. So two things. One, just to compare and contrast with what, uh, how I spoke about the previous episode, imagine this episode, if they tried to do it episode three or four of season one, the doctor would have reacted very differently. Yeah. I don't think he would have done any of these things, right? Because he's we've seen his character evolve over the seven years. The doctor, what the doctor chooses to do in this episode, the extremes he goes to, um, you know, pushing past the past those ethical boundaries. This is because this is who he has become over the course of these seven years. And this episode, you couldn't have done it in the first season, right? That's what I want out of season seven. So this is, so while I chastised the previous episode, I'm complimenting this one. Good example. Perfect example of uh, an evolved character's choice. And then second comment, I totally follow you saying it's on the nose, but I think every now and then it's not so bad to be on the nose because there are definitely times when, like I said, people can read into it how they you know what they want to get out of it and if you want to make sure that doesn't happen <laughs> right, right put it on the nose <laughs> sure there's no way you could spin this right but i mean i don't i don't know if you can i don't know if i necessarily agree with the liberal or conservative tense um that this episode might portray i mean it's kind of to me i mean it's kind of about like right or wrong do you treat people who are who are sick or do you follow the rules of the administrator? Do you um, are you guided by your your morals and your values that have been um, honed and taught to you and brought out through wisdom of a lifetime, which you know for the doctor has been seven years? Um, or do you reject that? So I don't know if I necessarily think of it's a you know this is like a total you know like a, a liberal stint or something like that. It's not like advocating you know um, Medicare for all or anything like that. It's just saying. Um, you know, people in need need help. I mean, and I think that's not, um, I don't think that's a liberal or a, a conservative thing. I think that's, that's a human value. You've got people on the blue level getting access to these better medication, to these medications just to keep them looking young because they're higher class and they're right. literally on a higher level when the exact same drug can be used to save people's lives below. Sure. I don't think that's a stretch to call that almost a satirical comment on the modern healthcare system. Well, dude, no, I I agree with you on that, but I don't I don't think it's a right or left 
thing. I just think it's 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 commenting on the way healthcare is delivered in the United States. I mean, um, it's it's not that much better today than it was back then. I mean, we tried a little bit ten years ago, and it hasn't really worked out that well. I think I think what's tricky about this is you talk about being like on the nose. Like you can't be too on the nose because it delivers a message. And and I, I see what you're we see where you're coming from. The problem is is that. Well, I mean, we're looking at this in today's environment, right? I mean, yeah, but I thought the same thing about this episode twenty. Sure, years but ago. what I mean is that 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 uh, politically, right now, things are so extreme. I mean, in the sense that right says left is wrong, and left says right is wrong. Period. There's no. I mean, it, right? It's it's just it's just very it's very polarized. Yeah, and and you can chastise this episode for making that claim. Absolutely. Yeah. But what I mean by the the notion of of being too on the nose is that if like someone someone that's right wing saw this, they would like dismiss it out of hand because it's it's okay. I see what they're trying to do here. You know this kind of thing. Right. Because they're saying, and that's what these people they're saying that uh, all you know. I just want to to keep looking pretty and at the, at yeah, the expense yeah. of somebody else's life or whatever. Yes, and, absolutely. And, and, and that's wrong and that's unfortunate. Yes. Um, and, and, and it's very difficult. I mean, it's very difficult to create, to create some kind of piece of art that that's going to like sneakily come in there and like teach you a lesson, you know, I'm not but saying it's man. trying to be, I think, I just think it's trying to do like, um, you know, uh, a modest proposal. Right, right, right. You know, because, because, because when you, when you break it down to, Here's something that can help someone look pretty or save someone else's life. I mean, who can argue against that? It's just, it's the way something's packaged. And that's the unfortunate part of the interpretation and the, and people's presumptions about the motivations of whoever's creating something, right? Is because un- unfortunately, the, the, there, there are people that will dis- would dismiss something like this out of hand because it's, it seems that it's trying to push something on me when, you know, and that same person might might be reasonable enough to say, "Oh, of course, a, a, a drug that can save someone's life should be given to that person, and not just to make someone else pretty." But you know, when you try to con- convince someone of something, and then they take it as a political statement, you know how that goes. It, it's just that's that's the unfortunate truth. Well, just imagine this episode was a couple of years after the United States' first real concerted effort at a like public health plan failed, you know, like what Hillary pushed when she was first lady and stuff. This is just a couple of years after that, just monumental, complete and total failure. And okay, this, this failed so hard that it's just, this is never even going to come up again. And yes, now we're looking at it from a few years after that very thing kind of sort of passed. I mean, it did pass, but it's it's taken nothing but um, taking it on the chin since. I think there's something in here for conservative watchers as well, you know, since we're going down this path. I mean, you know, if you look at it, I mean, you have this, um, it's kind of like an authoritarian state deciding who gets care and who doesn't get care. And I know that's the fear on the right that, you know, if the government takes control of health care, which I don't think that's the case anybody's proposing, but if the government were to take care, take control of health care, then the government would decide, okay, you get health care, you don't get, you get this kind of treatment. And I think that's kind of the fear on the right, that if the government is in sole control of health care, then people will get left out based on, you know, what function they play in society. So like I said, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the right or left tilt that you're proposing in this, but, um, you know, it's a good discussion. Yeah, it is interesting because, I mean, if you think about it, 
I mean, this episode, I mean, one could argue that if, if they're trying to make a liberal uh, statement, they might be a bit of a cop out in the sense that they didn't make it about uh, wealth or some kind of value. They made it about value, but not about uh, accumulated wealth, which it's more about um, some kind of notion of the value of an individual, which in itself is problematic because it assumes that um, one just existing as a human being isn't enough. You know, it's what you can contribute and then somebody's subjective opinion about what that is versus simply how much money you have, you know. So in that sense, it's not quite an analog for what we're experiencing today and that kind of thing. But it's an interesting analysis of this. I think I think what gives this, this episode some value, though, is that it generates so much discussion. I mean, we if, I feel like right now as we're rolling here, we could just keep going and going and going, you know, and, sure. and, and that's what that's what's interesting. And that's really what makes good television, good Trek is because if we can keep talking about something and it's, you know, good discussion and it's, and it's something new, I mean, you know, applaud that episode. So. And specifically our podcast, as we said, you know, the reason we talk about what's it about when we have an answer for that, when that's something we can talk about for, you know, minutes on end, that tends to be a, a better episode. It's an, it's certainly an episode that holds up. And I, and I, and I think this is the perfect example of that. Uh, whether it's uh, uh, too over the top and on the nose or not, it's asking a question that's equally as valid today as it was 20 years ago. Yeah. And unfortunately we still have the same problems with healthcare that we did back then. All right. Let's do six degrees for critical care. I feel like we discussed what that one was about. So, all right, Adam, uh, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Gregory Itzen plays Dysak, the blue-level doctor that maybe sort of cares just a little. Itzen has played characters on most of Voyager's contemporary Trek shows, except one. Was he never on Next Gen, DS9, or Enterprise? Which one was he not on? I'm going to say Next Gen. You are correct. Adam, or excuse me, Steve, he played two different characters on two different episodes of two of his three shows. Does that make sense? So say it again. <laughs> on D- so he was, he guested on DS9, Voyager and Enterprise mm-hmm. on two of those. He guested twice and played two different characters. Okay. On one of those, he only guested once and played one character. Okay. So which show was he only on once? Oh DS9, Voyager or Enterprise? Uh, Voyager. You're correct. Wow. I thought those two would be hard questions and you both got them. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> Mood to see. It was harder for you to get the question out than Steve. Yeah, it really was. Steve has three. Adam has one. Moving on. I'm just happy I'm not shut out. Inside Man, Season 7, Episode 6, Production Code 252. Original air date November 8th, 2000. Directed by Alan Croker. Written by Robert Doherty. Music composed by Paul Belergen. Guest cast include Dwight Schultz as Reginald Barkley, Marina Sirtis as Deanna Troy, Richard Hurd as Admiral Paris, Richard McGonagall as Commander Harkins, Frank Corsentino as Gages, Christopher Neiman as Yeji, Michael William Ribkin as Nunk, and Sharice Baker-Bernard as Leosa. Voyager receives its monthly data stream from Starfleet via the Pathfinder Project which has been helping Voyager find a way home from the Delta Quadrant. In the stream, they find a program for a hologram and discover it is a simulation of Reginald Barkley, Barkley, one of the Starfleet officers working on it. 
Hollow Barkley explains that Starfleet has found a way to return Voyager home through a geonesic fold between two red giants, but this will require special shield modifications and inoculations for the crew to survive the trip. Okay, ready when you are. Lieutenant Barkley? Uh, no, but he did design me. I'm a walking, talking, problem-solving, interactive hologram. You can call me Reg. It's nice to meet you, Reg. Pleasure's mine, Captain. Harry Seven, I've been looking forward to working with you. You have? I know. You were expecting letters from your friends and families, but with any luck, in a few days, you'll be seeing them face to face. This is funny. Now, th- I happened to watch this episode like hours after watching the latest episode of Picard. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is this is not really a spoiler for anybody that's watched any t- trailers or te- teasers for Picard. You know that we talked about it already. Seven comes on the show. Seven is on Picard. That's not much of a spoiler. And I don't think it's a spoiler to say that she has a scene or two where she talks to Picard, also in the teasers and trailers, and the show is freaking called Star Trek Picard. So you assume he's probably going to be in a scene with her. She has a conversation. Again, I don't think I'm spoiling much, but if you're really, really sensitive, skip ahead 10 seconds, where she says to Picard, you know, you came back you were a, you were a Borg and you came back like me. <laughs> I'm watching this episode, <laughs> and and Barkley says to her, "You're the only one who ever came back from being a Borg." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, dude! <laughs> he was your captain. What do you think we're getting? But it, it, just, a, it was it is a hologram, you know. I can't know everything. True. But it was particularly funny to watch it. What are the odds that I would watch this? Right. Like right, we would right. watch this right after that. Right. That's yeah. It's funny. <laughs> oh, funny. Who wants to? Who wants to take this one? Okay, Steve, go. Oh, okay. So I, I think this is this. I mean, these are these are fun episodes. Obviously, this this kind of. Um, series of ones that focus on Barkley and earth and Troy and so forth. I, I, I don't, I don't know if this is a particularly strong episode for that kind of thing. It's certainly fun for a Trekker to see what's going on in, the, in that universe and to see the ins and outs and so on. But it certainly has a lot of focus on, um, you know, not, not the Voyager main crew here, you know, it's definitely, um, not focused on them and so and even when it's on voyager it's fake barkley yes yes um so that drives it a lot so i mean it's it's fun for for the trekker who you know the whole the whole canon and where everyone is what everyone's doing and what's going on and that kind of thing but otherwise i'm not sure that it that it advances things a great deal it, it 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 makes a lot of references to things we've seen in trek before you see these characters come back that's fun all that kind of stuff but otherwise i think i think it leans a lot on that fact um otherwise it it's pretty run-of-the-mill kind of for me i think um yeah i, I agree with steve i think they kind of went to the well one too many times with barkley don't get me wrong. I enjoyed this episode. I enjoy the character Barkley. I like seeing, you know, Marina Spears back as Troy. 
But I mean, there's nothing really new in this episode. What do we have? We have Barkley. You know, you know, he he gets duped by a by a, a Dabo girl that he didn't know at the time. You know, in the Ferengi. So I mean, this is kind of like a common theme for Barkley. So there's no real, there's no even real advancement for his character. We've seen him go through this a number of times, and you know. I kind of felt bad for him in this episode. It's like, damn, how many times are they going to kind of humiliate this guy and have him go through this, you know, the same, same pattern over and over again. You know, we've already seen it, um, you know, once in Voyager, you know, not, not long ago when Troy had to come in and help him, you know, when they were first getting this Pathfinder thing going. And the the last time we saw him, you know, is when the doctor went back to the Jupiter station when he was helping Zimmer. And that was a good episode because it focused more on the doctor and Troy and Barkley were kind of sub characters. In this in this episode, it's it's kind of all Barkley, and but half of it it's uh, a you know a, a fake hologram program that's been altered by the Ferengi. So, um, like I said, I kind of feel like they just kind of went to the well one too many times with this, and they didn't really do anything new with the characters, and it didn't advance anything. So I agree with Steve on that. But saying that, I I still did enjoy the episode because the characters are great and they're fun to watch. Yeah, I completely agree. It was the last couple of times were better episodes. And uh, I mean, maybe if this had been the first one, <laughs> you know, uh, but I've seen this, I've seen it before and I've seen it done better before. So yeah, it's fine. It's and occasionally good, but not as good as the last couple of times. So it feels it feels a little bit like uh, the premise of this could have been come up with like a Mad Libs Star Trek, you know, it, like in the sense that if you just like took the whole universe and said like um, a hologram of Barkley was uh, commandeered by Ferengi, who uh, <laughs> yeah, and yep. he was duped by a Dabo girl, but got help from Troy, and you know, there's this kind of thing. It's a little bit fill in the blank or whatever, and. Again, that's what makes it fun for big Trek fans of all the series, you know. But I, but like I said, it's just that's what it's all about, you know. It's it's you know otherwise there's not much to it. Another complaint I had about it, you know, the premise is kind of loose. You know, it's kind of like does it make the Voyager crew look very smart? It's like oh yeah, we'll just we'll just pass through this portal in the Red Giant. Well yeah, we'll believe that Barkley is you know this holographic. Barkley character has got it figured out. We won't verify it at all. So I, I don't think the Voyager crew even comes off that well in this episode. Um, so, you know, that's, that was another one of my little note complaints. Yeah. And it's kind of weird. Like for the doc, his, the doctor asks Janeway to investigate him. Uh, but his reasons actually are very weak and yet she does it. But the solution to that would have been so much simpler if he just had a, if they had a stronger reason other than he was a jerk to me. <laughs> yeah, it would be cooler maybe if the doctor did a little investigation and was like, no, these inoculations and these shield modifications aren't going to do the job. You know, kind of challenge Barkley on that. And then even the way that Barkley goes to um, Troy for help, that's exactly what we've seen done multiple times. Um and so, yeah, I agree. It's just the sense that, yeah, they went to that well too many, one too many times. Like Marina, even less than Barkley, Marina has, or you know, Troy has almost no point in this one. She has one scene with like one line where she convinces the Davo girl to spill the beans, but I don't know. 
I mean, it's fine. This episode is fine. It has its moments. I mean, this episode is probably better if you catch it, like, randomly. You'd probably enjoy it more. But if you're watching from, you know, if you're watching Voyager from start to finish, yeah, you, you like like we've said before, we're broken record here. You know, it's kind of, re- this very much a repetitive episode. But like I said, if you just catch it one day, I don't know what, on Netflix, yeah, you'd probably, it's probably enjoyable. But in the grand scheme of Voyager, it's very repetitive. Is it about anything? Let's see, what was the last Barkley episode about, Steve? I think we can probably fit that into this episode as well. Right, just fill in the blank. I don't even remember. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you know, it's being confident in yourself. I mean, Barkley has his, you know, confidence problems and kind of inverts into the holographic world. And in this episode, he, you know, you know, he has an actual real relationship and it kind of fails on him and he kind of reverts again. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of a common theme with this character. I mean, I don't know. I guess you could say not everything is as it appears because the hologram that was sent to Voyager is obviously not what it appears. So um, there's more than meets the eye, right? Yeah, it's just kind of the same old, same old. And that's what, what also hurts it because why do we need something that like takes a character backwards and then we just get it back to the same point where we were anyway. Plus, as we've alluded to several times, whenever you focus on a character that's not one of our main characters on a series, it better be really an unusually good episode in some respect. And that that's obviously that's not what we have here. So I mean, I think all in all that those, those points hurt this episode when we analyze it in that respect. All right, let's do six degrees for inside man. Steve has three. Adam has one. Adam, are you going first or second? I'm going to go first. Is this Marina's final appearance on Voyager? I'm going to say yes. Yes, it is. Steve, is this Dwight Schultz's final appearance on Voyager? Uh, No. Wow. You guys got like almost every question today. <laughs> I got two questions. <laughs> I missed one. I missed the first one. Napoleon. The Blue Man. <laughs> Doesn't he have a show in Vegas? Um, <laughs> all right. Well, Steve takes it for the day, but uh, Adam did all right. So, yeah, we've now seen half of Picard, and we were talking a little pre-show about I've enjoyed the last couple more than the couple before that, but, I mean, I've enjoyed them all well enough. But, uh, you got a little spoiler-free talk there a minute ago. I, I, it sounds like Steve, you and I are kind of on the same general page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but but it's crazy to think we're already halfway done with Picard, right, or at least right. season one. Right. Still no start date for Discovery three, huh? Yeah, I I think I saw a story just yesterday that they wrapped filming, but that's the only news I've heard. So we might likely have many months between Picard, so I'll definitely yeah. be pausing my CBS All Access right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, they haven't quite got to that point where they can keep nope. us hooked yet. They're going to nope. have to get some more material out there, yeah. Are either of the animated shows premiering in 2020? Well, I would think we'd heard, would have heard that by now, but I don't know for sure. Alright, well... We are going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next two, not three, episodes of Star Trek Voyager. 
so again, two weeks from now, we're just going to be doing the next two episodes. That way we don't break up that uh, two-part of this after that. So let's see. You can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Uh, if you're really feeling thoughtful, you can leave a review for us on iTunes. That's how people find us. You can do it super fast, right from your phone. Pretty great. So thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.